time as we know it will soon cease. Revelation 10, 5 and 6, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. When time stops, eternity begins. At the place where time ends, eternal life in Christ Jesus begins, or eternal cognizant damnation, also known as the second death, begins. We have been given the responsibility of choosing. A non-choice, in fact, is the choice for eternal punishment. Never could any two outcomes be more 180 degrees out from one another. Many mock the concept of time ending, but not today's science. Consider these few excerpts from God Said, Man Said, Time Shall Be No More. In Discover Magazine, the March 2009 issue, several interesting speculations concerning time are offered from the field of scientific theory. The excerpts cited below are from Discover's article titled, 20 Things You Didn't Know About Time. Some speculative new physics theories suggest that time emerges from a more fundamental and timeless reality. Again from Discover. Time has not been around forever. Most scientists believe it was created along with the rest of the universe in the Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago. End of quote. A beginning of time, yes. A 13.7 billion year old Big Bang, no. Will there be an end of time even as God's word declares? The final excerpt from Discover suggests so. There may be an end of time. Three Spanish scientists posit that the observed acceleration of the expanding cosmos is an illusion caused by the slowing of time. According to their math, time may eventually stop, at which point everything will come to a standstill. End of quotes. Time for Earth and all its inhabitants is running out, and choices are being made at this moment on this website where one will spend eternity. Have you made your choice? Have you been born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? If your answer is no, or I'm not sure, settle this eternal issue today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to participate in this limited time Holy Ghost offer. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the marvelous kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God said, Matthew twenty-seven forty-five through 54. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Man said, There never was a Jesus Christ. There isn't one shred of evidence that this man Jesus Christ ever lived. Now the record. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary to be the Savior of the world. He ministered salvation to those who would call upon his name, cast out devils, healed the sick and raised the dead, was crucified on Calvary and raised by his father from the dead on the third day. Forty days later, the glorified Christ ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of God where he intercedes for the souls of men. Could such fantastical accounts be true? Are there third-party credible sources that attest to such biblical truths? One category of proof on God said, man said, is called the historicity of Jesus Christ. A few excerpts from those features are quoted with new content to follow. History, archaeology, and geology will endorse the King of Glory. God said, man said, the historicity of Jesus Christ updated. Was there a Jesus Christ? Does history endorse the Bible's account of the Lord of Glory? The answer, of course, is a resounding yes. Cornelius Tacitus, who was born in 55 A.D. and died in 120 A.D., was called the greatest historian of ancient Rome. He was born approximately 20 years after Christ's crucifixion. Tacitus wrote concerning the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero and recorded the following. But not all of the relief could come from man, not all of the bounties that the prince could bestow, nor all the atonements which could be presented to the gods availed to relieve Nero from the infamy of being believed to have ordered the conflagration, the fire of Rome. Hence, to suppress the rumor, he falsely charged with the guilt and punishment with the most exquisite tortures the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Christus, Christ, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition repressed for a time, broke out again, not only through Judea where the mischief originated, by through, but also through the city of Rome. That's a quote from Cornelius Tacitus. Later on, we'll see what enormities the early believers were accused of. The following excerpt is from Josh McDowell's book, The New Evidence, that demands a verdict. It reads, Cambridge lecturer Marcus Bachmull notes that Tacitus' comments provide us with testimony by the leading Roman historian of his day, independent confirmation that Jesus lived and was formally executed in Judea in the reign of Tiberius and during Pontius Pilate's office as procurator, technically still a prefect, A.D. 26-36. 
That may not seem like much, but it is actually surprisingly useful in discounting two different theories which are still sometimes advanced. First, that Jesus of Nazareth never existed, and secondly, that he did not die by the duly administered Roman death penalty. End of quote. Luke, the beloved physician of the Bible, spoke of the persecution of the Christians that they experienced at the hand of the Jews, Acts chapter 18, verse 12. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. In regard to the unrest, secular Roman historian Suetonius, who was a court official under Hadrian, an analyst of the imperial house, stated in his historic record Life of Claudius the following, As the Jews were making constant disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, another spelling for Christ, he, Claudius, expelled them from Rome. This event took place in 49 AD, approximately 12 years after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Again, Suetonius chronicled the firing of Rome under Nero in 64 AD and recorded the following. Punishment by Nero was inflicted on the Christians, a class of men given to a new and mischievous superstition. As we continue, you'll discover what mischievous superstition caused the death of the Christians. You will be surprised. Listen to this account by Plinium Secundus, also known as Pliny the Younger. It was written in 112 A.D. He was writing to the emperor of Bithynia, seeking counsel on how to treat the Christians. He explained that he had been killing both men and women, boys and girls. There were so many being put to death that he wondered whether he should continue killing all those who were discovered to be Christians or if he should kill only certain ones. He explained that he had made the Christians bow down to the statues of Trajan. He went on to write that he also made them curse Christ, which genuine Christians cannot be induced to do. And in the same letter, he writes concerning the Christians who were being tried in the courts. The whole of their guilt or their error was that they were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day as to a God and bound themselves to a solemn oath not to do any wicked deeds, never to commit any fraud, theft, adultery, never to falsify their word, nor to deny a trust when they be called upon to deliver it up. The famous Jewish historian Josephus was hired by the Romans to record Roman rule and actions in Israel. His writings were recorded 30 to 40 years after Christ's crucifixion. One excerpt follows. Now there was about this time Jesus a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ, and when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and ten thousand other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians so named from him is not extinct at this day. Julian, the Roman emperor and ancient enemy of the cross of Christ, wrote the following. Jesus has now been celebrated about three hundred years having done nothing in his lifetime worthy of fame, unless anyone thinks it a very great work to heal lame and blind people and exercise demonics in the villages of Bethsaida and Bethany. 
So you see that Julian, the Roman emperor, ascribes to Christ the power to perform miracles. Again from Josh McDowell. In the Babylonian Talmud we read, It has been taught, on the eve of Passover they hanged Yeshu, and an announcer went out in front of him forty days, saying, He is going to be stoned, because he practiced sorcery, and enticed and led Israel astray. Anyone who knows anything in his favor, let him come and plead in his behalf. But not having found anything in his favor, they hanged him on the eve of Passover. Another version of this text says, Yeshu the Nazarene. Yeshu translates through Greek to English as Jesus, and the reference to him being a Nazarene makes the link to Jesus Christ even stronger. Jesus Christ, of course, was crucified on the Passover. God said, man said, forgery trial of Jesus box ends. Today, the cautionary note attached to the first of two God said, man said features on the so-called Jesus box comes down. The front page caption of the May-June 2012 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review reads, Defendants acquitted in forgery trial. Several foundational paragraphs follow from our original features on this matter. The very fact that the ancient Jews constructed a defense against the testimony of Jesus Christ is in itself a certification that he did live. Their official position was that Jesus Christ was a bastard and a sorcerer. It was necessary that Jesus be a fatherless child, a bastard. Isaiah 7:14 speaks prophetically of the miraculous virgin birth of the coming Messiah. It reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. If Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, as the Scriptures attest, then the Jews crucified the Messiah. Therefore we see their position that Jesus Christ was a bastard. Secondly, if Jesus Christ performed all the marvelous miracles ascribed to him in the scriptures as well as in ancient history, then he could only have been the holy prophet of God and the Messiah that he said he was, and as the Bible declares. The Jews' official position then is that Jesus Christ was a sorcerer, or else they, the Jews, instigated the crucifixion of their Messiah. This is still the position of the unsaved Jews of today. They may have toned down the verbiage, but the result is the same. The Jewish defense against Jesus is a certification for the existence of the Christ. Recently, quite a stir was made over the archaeological find of an ancient ossuary discovered in Israel. This ossuary was a 20-inch long box, which once held the bones of a dead man. Between the years 20 B.C. and 70 A.D., it was a burial custom to place one's bones in the ossuary for final burial after the flesh was fully decayed. This find was especially electrifying because of the inscription on its side. It read, Yaakov bar Yosef Akudi Yeshua, which means James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. The following excerpts were found in an AP article dated October 22, 2002. A burial box that was recently discovered in Israel and dates to the first century, could be the oldest archaeological link to Jesus Christ, according to a French scholar whose findings were published Monday. An inscription in the Aramaic language, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, appears on an empty ossuary, a limestone burial box for bones. Andre Lemaire said it's very probable the writings refer to Jesus of Nazareth. 
He dates the ossuary to A.D. 63, just three decades after the crucifixion. Lemaire, a specialist in ancient inscriptions at France's Practical School of Higher Studies, published his findings in the November-December issue of Biblical Archaeology Review. The Reverend Joseph Fitzmaier, a Bible professor at Catholic University who studied the photos of the box, agrees with Lemaire that the writing style fits perfectly with other first-century examples. The joint appearance of these three famous names is striking, he said. But the big problem is, you have to show me that Jesus in this text is the Jesus of Nazareth, and nobody can show that, Fitzmaier said. Lemire addresses Fitzmaier's question further in the article. All three names were commonplace, but Lemire estimates only 20 Jameses in Jerusalem during that era could have had a father named Joseph and a brother named Jesus. Moreover, naming the brother as well as the father on an ossuary, was very unusual, Lemaire wrote. There's only one other known example in Aramaic. Thus, this particular Jesus must have had some unusual role or fame. And Jesus of Nazareth certainly qualified, Lemaire concluded. Lemaire dated the ossuary at 63 A.D. History shows that James, the brother of Jesus, being stoned to death in 62 A.D. In September of 2005, the forgery trial of Oded Golan, uh, antiquities dealer Robert Douche, and three others began. The following information is from the October 2010 issue of the International Jerusalem Post under the title, Putting the Case to Rest with a Subhead. The judge considers his verdict in the five-year Jesus forgery trial. The reporter, Matthew Coleman, writes, the discovery in 2002 of a limestone burial box with the Hebrew inscription James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, electrified the world of archaeology. If genuine, the burial box or ossuary would be the only archaeological artifact found with a possible direct link to Jesus of Nazareth. Amid international fanfare, the ossuary went on display at Toronto's Royal Ontario Museum and swiftly spawned numerous articles, scholarly studies, several documentary movies, and at least four books. But experts at the Israel Antiquities Authority declared it a modern-day forgery. Israel police seized the burial box and arrested its owner. Tel Aviv collector Odin Golan in December of 2014, was charged with faking the ossuary and dozens of other items, including an inscribed tablet linked to King Joash, which, if authentic, would be the only physical evidence from the Temple of Solomon. The indictment leveled 44 charges of forgery, fraud and deception as Golan, and 13 lesser counts against a co-defendant, antiquities dealer Robert Dooch. The trial of Golan, Duch, and three others opened in Jerusalem District Court in September 2005. Last month, the defense ended to summing up with just two men left in the dock, bringing to an end five years of court proceedings that spanned 116 sessions, 133 witnesses, 200 exhibits, and nearly 1,200 pages of witness testimony. The prosecution summation alone ran to 653 pages, end of quote. The summation of the issue of the Jesus box is now complete. The following paragraph was written by Suzanne Singer in the May-June 2012 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review under the title, Defendants Acquitted in Forgery Trial. As I write, the news is fresh. 
By the time you read this in bar, however, surely nearly everyone knows that the defendants, Golan Antiquities dealer Robert Dooch, were acquitted on all counts of forgery. End of quotes. Unfortunately for the Christ deniers, there is a plethora of historic fact that shouts a resounding yes to the biblical record of this Jesus. New research published in the October 2010 issue of Acts and Facts is another addition to the overwhelming empirical evidence stacked up against the enemies of the cross of Christ. The feature was written by renowned geologist Dr. Stephen Austin under the title of Greatest Earthquakes of the Bible. Several paragraphs follow. Recently, geologists have investigated the 4,000-year chronology of earthquake disturbances within the uppermost 19 feet of laminated sediment of the Dead Sea. Hypersaline waters preserve seasonally laminated sediment because organisms cannot live or burrow into the bed of the lake. As a result, only a nearby earthquake or very large distant earthquake can homogenize the lake's uppermost sediment layers, producing a mixed layer devoid of laminations. A sketch of a sediment core from the west side of the Dead Sea appears in Figure 1. The sketch shows the depth of the mixed layers within the laminated sediment sequence. Two deeper mixed layers in the Dead Sea are datable from historical, archaeological, and geological associations with faulting and earthquakes of 31 B.C., the Qumran earthquake, and 750 B.C. Amos' earthquake. Other earthquakes are represented in the D.C. sediment core, with dates approximated by assuming a steady rate of sedimentation. The following excerpts are found under the headings of Qumran earthquake of 31 B.C. and the crucifixion in Jerusalem, April 333 A.D., about 60 years before the ministry of Christ, a small group of Levites copied scripture on the scrolls at the small village of Qumran and the desert northwest of the Dead Sea. In 31 BC, a large earthquake occurred along the Jericho Fault on the western side of the Dead Sea. The earthquake dried up Qumran's mainspring and severely cracked the architecture. Spectacular evidence of the earthquake is seen at recent excavations at Quamran in cracked stair steps within the ritual baths. Grooved fault services, what geologists called slick and slides, and ground rupture within lake sediment can be observed just south of Quamran. Josephus wrote of the regional devastation from the earthquake, and he said 30,000 men perished. The survivors buried the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Quamran lay abandoned after the earthquake. The Bible, of course, is completely silent concerning this earthquake and other events during the intertestamental period. No doubt, everyone in New Testament times knew of ancestors killed in that event. After three hours of darkness at midday on April 3, 33 A.D., the Lord Jesus exclaimed the words, It is finished, as he died on the cross. Immediately, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn. A great earthquake occurred. Rocks were broken, and many, many dead saints were resurrected from their tombs. The earthquake upon the death of Christ called attention to the great salvation that had been accomplished that day on the cross. An outcrop of laminated Dead Sea sediment can be seen at Wadi Zealim, above the southwestern shore of the modern Dead Sea near the fortress of Masada. In this sediment, uh, outcrop is a distinctive one-foot-thick mixed layer of sediment that is tied strongly to the Quamram earthquakes 
onshore ground ruptures of 31 B.C. 13 inches above the 31 B.C. event bed is another distinctive mixed layer less than one inch thick. The sedimentation rate puts this second earthquake about 65 years after the 31 B.C. earthquake. It seems that the crucifixion earthquake of 33 A.D. was magnitude 5.5, leaving direct physical evidence in a thin layer of disturbed sediment from the Dead Sea, end of quotes. Geologists say yes to Christ's crucifixion. Edwin M. Yamuchi, one of country uh, of the country's leading experts in ancient history, was interviewed by Lee Strobel in his book, The Case for Christ. A profile of Yamuchi's accreditations follows. After earning a bachelor's degree in Hebrew and Hellenistics, Yamuchi received master's and doctoral degrees in Mediterranean studies from Brandeis University. He has been awarded eight fellowships from the Rutgers Research Council, National Endowment for the Humanities, the American Philosophical Society, and others. He has studied 22 languages, including Arabic, Chinese, Egyptian, Russian, Syriac, Yurgert, and even Comanche. He has delivered 71 papers before learned societies, lectured at more than 100 seminaries, universities, and colleges, including Yale, Princeton, and Cornell, served as chairman and then president of the Institute for Biblical Research and president of the Conference of Faith and History, and published 80 articles and 37 scholarly journals, end of quote. Part of Strobel's interview follows. When people begin religious movements, it's often not until many generations later that people record things about them, Yamuchi said. But the fact is that we have better historical documentation for Jesus than for the founder of any other ancient religion. That caught me off guard. Really, I said? Can you elaborate on that? For example, although the Gathas of Zoroaster about 1000 BC are believed to be authentic, most of the Zoroastrian scriptures were not put into writing until after the 3rd century A.D., The most popular Parsi biography of of Zoroaster was written in A.D. 1278. The scriptures of Buddha, who lived in the 6th century B.C., were not put into writing until after the Christian era, and the first biography of Buddha was written in the 1st century A.D. Although we have the sayings of Muhammad, who lived from A.D. 570 to 632 in the Koran. His biography was not written until 767 A.D., more than a full century after his death. So the situation with Jesus is unique and quite impressive in terms of how much we can learn about him aside from the New Testament. I wanted to pick up on that theme and summarize what we had gleaned about Jesus so far from non-biblical sources. Let's pretend we didn't have any of the New Testament or other Christian writings, I said. Even without them, what would we be able to conclude about Jesus from ancient non-Christian sources, such as Josephus, the Talmud, Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, and others? Yamuchi smiled. We would still have a considerable amount of important historical evidence. In fact, it would provide a kind of outline for the life of Jesus, he said. Then he went on, raising a finger to emphasize each point. We would know that first, Jesus was a Jewish teacher. Second, many people believed that he performed healings and exorcisms. Third, some people believed he was the Messiah. Fourth, he was rejected by the Jewish leaders. Fifth, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. Sixth, 
Despite this shameful death, his followers who believed that he was still alive spread beyond Palestine so that there were multitudes of them in Rome by A.D. 64. And seventh, all kinds of people from the cities and countryside, men and women, slave and free, worshipped him as God. End of quote. Jesus Christ was and Jesus Christ is. The Apostle Peter speaks in Acts chapter 4, 10 through 12. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. God said, Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God said, Matthew twenty-seven forty-five through 54. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Man said, There never was a Jesus Christ. There isn't one shred of evidence that this man Jesus Christ ever lived. Now you have the record.